Welcome everyone to today's class. Does anyone have any questions from previous class? No. Okay, great. So while studying this subject, my, whilst being on my own spiritual journey, I came to realize one thing which I'd like to share. As a human being, we constantly put ourselves in little compartments, little boxes, just visualize a little box. In these compartments separate us. I'm an American, I'm an Indian, I'm a Canadian, I'm an African, I'm an Arab, I'm a Pakistani, etc., etc. As soon as we put ourselves in these boxes, we tend to identify more with other people in the same box. You're on holiday, you meet some people. Oh, you're from England. So am I. Well, you're from Gujarat. You're Gujarati. Which part are you from? There's an identification. Or when it comes to religion, you say, yes, I'm a religious person. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Catholic. A Buddhist, a Hindu, a Sikh. I'm a Jain. Again, you tend to identify with people in the same box. But if you examine closer, if you put yourself in that box, you're actually restricting yourself. First of all, you have to follow whatever the rules are of being in that box. You can't eat this, you can't go there, you have to do this practice every day. You have to believe in this God etc. You're actually separating yourself, you're separating yourself from identifying with people in other boxes. Is everyone with me? You're Hindu, so I'm, so am I. Which temple do you go? You identify with somebody else who's a Hindu. You're a Christian, Muslim, there's not much identification. In fact, there's a barrier. So what happens when you come out of that box? How can you come out of that box? Does everyone agree with me, first of all? You don't have to agree. Yeah. How can you come out of this box that we're all in? Any ideas, Sashi? Meet somebody. You instead of saying, you know, you're, you know, identifying with the religion, you can 
about family or anything else. So you're identifying with personal things as opposed to religion or colour or where you're from or whatever. I mean, yes, yeah, saying if you're from England, you've got something to talk about as well, especially if you're abroad and, you know, but it also helps with talking to other people that way as well. Can you hear me? It sometimes cuts. You can fade out a bit. Yeah, can't hear you now. Can't hear me. Now we can. I think it depends where you're facing. Can't hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell me if you can't hear me, Ravi. Mention hear you now. Yeah. I've got another laptop. I'll put it on otherwise. Sesti, come. Um, if you identify with the soul instead of the person, then you take yourself out of those boxes because you see everybody as equal. If you Can't see the soul as opposed to the person. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh. No? It, it's fading in and out for some reason. Give me one second, yeah? Can you hear me? See me okay now? Yeah? Okay. Just give me one second. Right. Can you hear me okay? We're good. Yeah. So she was saying, yeah, minute you identify with the self, you identify with everyone. Minute you come out of the box, you identify with the self, the spirit. You are no longer a religious person. You are now a spiritual person. You gain a sense of freedom. 
like a sense of liberation. You now have the freedom to develop yourself freely without any restrictions, without any limitations, without any do's and don'ts that the box restricted you. Your belief is no longer restricted to a particular faith, particular God. You're now free to follow the path of the great sages, the great works of the Gita, Upanishad, Krishna, works of Buddha, works of Jesus, Muhammad. You have the freedom. You're now a follower of truth. What is that truth? Anyone? What is that truth? Yeah, Dhamish. To reduce our desires and become one with ourselves. Desires to become one. Yeah. Yeah, to be one. What else? Anybody else? What is this truth that you then follow? Yeah, Migna. And um, you are God. You are God, yes. Absolutely. Anything else? Termish. You appreciate the world for what it is, and everyone else is God as well. Very good. Not selfish in that point that I am the only one. So the truth is, you're right. The, the break it down. The truth is that you are not this body, mind, and intellect. You are the self. You are the spirit. God. Also that there is only one God, one reality. Everything you are experience, experiencing is this one reality. This whole world is just another expression of this reality. You now identify with everyone in all the boxes. Because you understand that all human beings are made up of this self. If you love yourself, you love everyone else. There's no difference between you and them. That is the aim. You may still practice whatever you're practicing. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is a sense of renunciation growth on the spiritual path. Don't mean misunderstand. You don't have to stop anything that you're doing right now or anything you're practicing. It is just growth in your attitude to life. You have a better understanding of this world. And this understanding Everything is fueled by knowledge. So it's not me saying it or somebody else saying it. It's fueled by, your, by the knowledge, your own reflection, your own understanding. Any questions? 
this is my own understanding while I've been on this path for the last 10 years or so. This is how I, I, I get to see the world now, how I get to see people now. So I thought I'd share that with you, that this is the kind of growth this knowledge will give you. Is there any questions? Does everyone, does people agree or disagree? It's okay to disagree as well. No, I'm a Hindu. I'm not, <laughs> I will not get on with other people. Is there a way to say that? Does it, does it make sense? Wait, did you say, have one, something, say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say it, it, it goes back to you know, conditioning, how we've been conditioned as we've been brought up. It's, yes. You know, you have to shrug that conditioning, obviously, by increasing your knowledge and being aware. That's the, that's, I would say, that's my sort of fence to get over as such, is to start shrugging what you've been conditioned and sort of, you know, seeing through that and being visible. So, yeah, as you said, you know, respecting all religions is, is a done thing, but, um, you know, it, it's ma making sure that you instill that you understand everything is one. It all leads to the same path. You see, you, with this understanding, you rise above religions. You, you have no interest in religions. There's nothing to. There's nothing in any religion that will help you understand more, because you already now understand what this this is, this reality, and that you are the same. So you're above religion now. You renounce religions to grow into a spiritual person, no longer a religious person. You see the difference? Spirit, spirit, being a spiritual person is growth. Being a religious person is restriction. Like I said, you don't have to do it, change anything that you are right now. Your attitude is different. Your understanding is different. You may still follow and do whatever you do but your level of understanding has grown to what this life is about, this world is about. So, back to uh, today's class, this chapter we're doing, renunciation. Just a quick recap, any questions? Renunciation is to be practiced while you're doing the regular duties, your obligations in life. Helps you deal with your attachment and desires in the world. So renunciation is nothing but setting the right value to everything in life. This practice allows you to grow in life by taking in knowledge of higher values, higher values of life. Renunciation means you've risen up from something with lower values and taken up something of higher values. As we just said, you've become a spiritual person, you've taken up higher values. Identifying with everyone in the world is higher values. Keeping yourself separated is lower values. So this is renunciation. Today, Sunday, you have given up sleeping till late on Sunday morning to take part in this class. You have renounced sleep for something higher. Just a, an example. 
too, for you to understand. The highest value is the knowledge of the self. When you set the goal to self-realization, then nothing in the world matters. So this diagram, we covered it last week at the end, so I thought I'll just cover it a bit again. When you gain spiritual knowledge, you start thinking of higher values. So your desires begin to reduce. Thoughts become better quality. See in the diagram, when you identify with the grosser part of your body, maximum desires, body, mind, intellect, maximum desires. As you identify with the more subtler part of your personality by taking in this knowledge, the desires reduce. As you gain more and more knowledge, the desires get even less until the subtlest part of your personality, the desires are very few. And then there's only one desire left for self-realization. Study and reflection. You begin to drop off the lower desires. When you identify with the self, then eventually you only have one desire to realize the self. You reach the state of complete renunciation. That's what we covered last week. Any questions? Thank you, Ravi, for sharing that. Does everyone understand that uh, graph? Now, before the, these classes, you were maybe at the bottom grossest level, maximum desires. Now you understand we have to reduce my desires. This knowledge helps you reduce your desires. You're slowly going up in that triangle to a more subtler part of your personality. And as you gain more knowledge, you become more and more subtle. Enjoy more subtler things. I gave that example, McDonald's and um, a um, Michelin star restaurant, big difference. Pop music and classical music. So you start entertaining these subtler things. So we're gonna begin with um, the paragraph below the diagram, whoever's got the book. So before we start, what is the ego? Any idea what the ego is? Because we're gonna talk about this in a second. What is the ego? I say to you, you're egoistic, you have a big ego. What, what, is, what is ego in Vedantic perspective? Uh, Kevin? Uh, I don't know if I'm right, but I think it's sort of like identifying with yourself in the material world. Material world. What part of your body, what part of your personality identifies with the material world? Uh, yeah. Your mind or your gross intellect? Mind, gross intellect, and your body. Is that what you're going to say, Dharmesh? Yeah. So the minute you identify with your body, your mind, and your intellect, hereby rises the ego. We say human is made up of body, mind, intellect, and the self. You identify with the with the personality, the physical personality, emotional, intellectual personality, the ego is created. Thank you. Uh, Megna. So renunciation would mean delivering everything to the supreme reality, not considering the body, mind, and intellect as yours. Dropping the false idea of your personal self. 
casting aside your vain, accumulative and possessive attitude, not arrogating anything to yourself, resigning everything to the reality, appropriating everything to the real self in you. You then rise above the little self, the ego. It is your ego that becomes involved and meshed in the affairs of the world, obsessed with mundane duties and responsibilities. Rising above the ego and identifying with the real self, you remain above worldly care and anxiety. You remain detached, free from the persecutions of the ego. Maintaining that exalted state, you plunge into single-pointed meditation, attain spiritual enlightenment. So he's saying the minute you identify with the body, mind, intellect, the ego is created. Now in spiritual texts, we call this the little self, or it's written as S-E-L-F, but with a little s. When there's a big S, capital S, then that means the spirit, the self, God. So whenever in, in text, if it's got the little s, then it's your ego, yourself. Capital is the self. So you identify with personality rather than the spirit. Possessive attitude comes about, me, mine. This is mine, this is not yours. I did this. So what he's saying in this paragraph is renunciation is when you arrogate everything to the self and not to your body, mind and intellect, not to your little self. I am not this body, mind and intellect, I am the self. Any actions you do, you understand, it is the self that makes me act. If you have this identification, this understanding, then you rise above your ego. Arrogate everything to the self. What makes me tick? What makes me hear? What makes me smell, taste? It's not my tongue. What makes me be alive? You couldn't do any of those things if the spirit wasn't in there and living in you. So he's saying, arrogate everything to the self, then you rise above your ego. The minute you identify with your personality, your ego, it gets caught up in the everyday affairs of the world. As we rise above our ego, we are no longer affected by worldly involvement. We become detached from worldly affairs, free from desires in the world. And when you follow this path, you drop your desires. You're prepared for meditation. It's an understanding. I need to develop. See, this, this exercise, I think some of you may know. You have a choice what to focus on. Your, pers your physical personality or the spirit. So if everyone puts their finger in front of their face, yeah? You have a choice. You can either focus on the finger 
then everything behind it is blurred, or you can focus beyond the finger, then the finger is blurred. So you have a choice what to focus on. Do you want to focus on the self, or do you want to focus on your personality? So it's saying whatever you do, whatever action you do, understand it's the self that's making you do it. Then you rise above your ego. You rise above your little self. And then you identify with the spirit, the self that enlivens you. That's what that paragraph is saying. And if you do this, then you will grow on the spiritual path. Just an attitude once again. Make sense, Carol? Next paragraph, please. The practice of negating the little self and asserting the real self helps in rising above your false personality, subduing your ego, effacing your copywriting spirit of me and mine. These feelings and thoughts engender, feed your little appropriating self, the ego. You must negate your ego to attain the state of renunciation. Remember you are the supreme self. Your self is whole, everything. Asserting the self is accepting everything, the entire world as yourself. Renunciation, therefore, is not giving up anything, but taking up the whole world. Not dispossession, but all possession. Thus does renunciation crown you the king of kings. Once again, as I said in the beginning of the class, once you identify with the self, you identify with everyone. Right now, you may only have one brother and sister. You identify the self. The whole world is made up of your brothers and sisters. You have grown. That doesn't mean you go and start hugging everyone, but you understand there is no difference. So you actually grow. So he's saying renunciation is not giving up, but an understanding that the whole world is the self, the spirit, the God. When we understand this, we become one with the self and the world. So renunciation is not giving up, but taking up the whole world as yourself, rising above your ego. It's a a very high thought. We say that the whole world and everything, everybody in it is the self, God. But due to our involvement with the body, mind, intellect, the ego, and the lack of knowledge, we cannot identify with this. The minute you rise above your ego, you identify the whole world, everything in it as yourself. So by practicing this renunciation, you become king of kings, meaning you rise above your little personality and become one with the totality, the whole world. Imagine your attitude, your views, when you see people, insects, animals, there's no hatred for anything. There's no envy, there's no jealousy, there's nothing. 
doesn't matter what, where they come from, what religion they are, it doesn't matter what they look like, how they act, what clothes they wear, it's irrelevant. You see anything in everyone, you, you realize this is, it's all the same. Like I said, it's a very high level of growth, very high thought, but you slowly progress to that state as you go on this path. Any questions? Does everyone understand what's being said? Yeah? Anjana, you understanding what we're saying here? Please ask questions if, you, if, if you're not clear, yeah? Um, Meghna. The spirit of renunciation purifies action. You must learn to renounce your sense of doership in action. Also renounce your interest in the fruit of action. Thus must you clip the past and, and future and plunge in action per se. That spirit of detachment renders your action par excellence. The beauty and grandeur of human activity is renunciation in action, not renunciation of action. So now you have this understanding, how do you act in the world? How do you make dinner for your partner? How do you go to work and work in an office? Whatever you're doing, how do you act? It says, by practicing renunciation, makes our actions pure. How do we practice this whilst acting? How do we practice renunciation while we're acting? It says, renunciation purifies action. How do we, how do we act with the sense of renunciation? Any ideas, Dermesh? By doing the action without reward. Like. So you need, I need my gardening doing. You're going to come and do it for me, yeah? I'm not going to pay you anything. Dermesh? But then I would be depriving you of that action as well. <laughs> Thank you. So without, without any reward, you will get reward. But your mind shouldn't think of the reward. This is what it's saying. Not be anxious for the fruit of action, meaning the result. Why, if you, if you, if you act in that way, why, how does it help you? How does it help you act in that way? Yeah, Damish. You're not spending energy and time worrying about the outcome, yeah. which is one of our most wasteful activities. Absolutely. Your mind doesn't lose energy thinking of the result. See, when you act, the mind keeps wondering in the past, in the future, how will my work come out? Will my manager think it's okay? How will my food come out? I have some guests coming, will they like it? You're worried about all those things. You're not able to act properly. Mind is getting rid of that energy, where the energy should be going into the action itself. You have to detach from I am the doer, 
free from the feeling of I did this. Because of me, this is happening. If it wasn't for me, all these is detaching yourself from your ego. Don't worry about the fruit of action. Krishna said to Arjuna, just fight. You're a warrior. You've never lost a battle. You've been fighting all your life. You're a Kshatriya. This is your duty. Just fight. Don't worry about the result. Will they win? Will I win? Doesn't matter. Just do your best and fight. That's it. We all must act. Just do your action. Don't worry about anything else. We have to all act because we have vastness. So if you act with the spirit of renunciation rather than not acting, act in the spirit of renunciation because action is your duty. I'm a human being, I have vastness, I have to act. These are my obligations, I have to do it. That's it. The spirit should be renunciation in action, not action itself. So don't give up action. Some people say, okay, I'd rather not just act. It's easier. You say, no, that's not a solution. <laughs> you have to act, but act in the proper way. Giving up action is not the solution. So if we act in this way, what happens? What happens? What is the result if we act in this way? Two things. What happens if we act in the state of renunciation? Acting for the sake of acting. Any ideas? True. any ideas? You're, you're happier. You're, you're happier state of mind. The happier state of mind. Okay, what else? I was going to say peaceful because you're not affected or agitated by the action. Yeah. These are all the byproducts. These are all the byproducts of acting in that way. But what does it lead to? Dermish? Reductions in desires. Reduction in desires. Ultimately, that's what happens. What else, Kevin? I was going to say the same thing as Dharmesh because you, you have less value for the desires and more value for, for other things. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you strengthened your, intellig uh, your intelligence. Intellect, you mean. Intellect, sorry. You produce the perfect action. You produce the best action you possibly can. Because your mind is 100% concentrated on that action. And you're acting based on your vastness. So therefore, automatically, desires will reduce as well. We all come with X amount of desires. Our goal is to reduce them, eliminate them. But on the way, we can either do that or we can increase them. This way, you don't increase your desires. You reduce the desires. What? I said, she wants me to repeat a sentence. So, 
I said, by acting in this way, the state of renunciation, arrogating everything to the self, not perfect action, basically, Without, by removing your ego out of the action, not being anxious of the fruit, not worried about the past, not worried about the future, just dwelling into the action itself, doing the best you can, taking your ego out of it. Look what I did. I did this. Everything you do is fueled by the self. Without that, you cannot do anything. You get a perfect action. At the same time, your desires are reduced taking you closer to that goal. Yeah, go. So essentially, it's just sort of living in the present moment and being um, fully dedicated to the present moment, right? Dedicated to the present moment without letting your mind drift from anything but the action itself. Intellect is controlling the mind to stay focused in the action. If it drifts, it brings it back. And you're acting because that is your obligation. Whatever that, whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is. Any other questions? Just nothing. So um, when it comes to uh, having a choice of actions, then, you know, you, you, you need to use your intellect to decide. It may require you to think, you know, ahead of time of the result of the action. So in that sense, it's only while you're doing the action itself that you can, you know, fully dedicate yourself to it. But, you know, when you have to choose between actions, then what is it? Is it just you just use your intellect and use your intellect to decide what you want based and how do you decide that, okay, this action is going to result in this, this action is going to result in this? Because your intellect has already thought about it before you go into the action. See, for example, if you're going to, I don't know, make a, make a curry, okay? You know what curry you're going to make, what ingredients are, Okay, how, what the procedure is. Yeah, you've decided what curry you're going to make. Everything's ready. Now all you have to do is make it. So your intellect's decided on the goal already. Now when you're making it, you don't want to be thinking, now how's it going to come out? Um, is it really come out nice? My family like it. My partner like it. Yeah. What if I add a bit more extra this? What if I don't act this? You know the recipe, but the mind starts wavering and thinking the result, what it's going to be like. So you don't do that. You've made that decision. Intellect has decided what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. You know the recipe. You just go and do it. Act. Make it. You put the, your 100% energy and effort into it. Concentrate. It has to come out right. Is that okay, Rishi? 
So say, let's say you, you go, you're, you're going through the process and at some point you, need, you assess that, right, this isn't working. So yes, the intellect has to assess everything before you do the action. Or even while you're doing the action, let's say this isn't going to plan and you now need to change. If it's necessary, then yes. But the mind, the intellect should control the mind on the action. The mind shouldn't get agitated while you're acting. That's the key. The mind should not be agitated while you're acting. Because that's what then makes the action not 100%. That's what destroys the action. It's the mind being agitated. Yeah. Anything, when the mind gets involved, it, it, it dilutes the action. You're not giving it 100%. That's what we're trying to say here. And then while you're acting, you, under, you have that higher value, you understand. My goal in life is to get to this state of spiritual development. Everything I'm doing, reducing my desires. Everything I'm doing, arrogated it to the self, not to you. And then it's perfect action. See, if you have that attitude, then automatically you're not thinking of the result. This is my goal, this is my obligation in life, but let me just do it best I can. Is that okay, Rishi? Any clarifications? No, that will return. Good. Any other questions? So, renunciation. Now, in the last this last um, bit of this topic, renunciation has been classified under three broad categories. Now, some of you may not be familiar with these um, terms, known as sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic. Don't worry too much about the words. Sattvic renunciation is the highest true renunciation. Rajasic is conditioned, temporary state of renunciation. And tamasic is the lowest, no renunciation at all. So some of you may not be familiar with this term. So this topic is actually discussed in uh, more detail in chapter 18 of the Bhagavad Gita. Those who want to study in more detail. Sattva, rajasic, tamas. These are three different qualities. I'm repeating this for people who, who are not familiar with these terms. Sattva, rajasic, tamas. These are three different qualities, temperaments, mental states of the mind. In Sanskrit, it's called gunas, different qualities. You can replace these terms with A, B, and C. Three terms, grades A, B, and C. A is the highest, B is middle, C is the lowest. The sattva is A, rajasic is B, tamasic is C. So as a human, we're made up of, the, of vasanas, desires, this makes up our nature, but also these three temperaments. Sattva being the highest, Rajas middle, Tamas lowest. Now all of us, every human, no matter what color, religion, which part of the world you're from, we all made up these three qualities, these three different qualities in different proportions. That's why there's so many different kinds of people in the world. 
So it's not only vasanas, it's these three temperaments as well. So in the Gita chapter 18, they categorize everything we do in life in these three categories. For example, the kind of intellect we have, the kind of actions we perform. Is it sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic? It explains it. What is sattvic action? What is rajasic action? What is sattvic action? intellect? What is rajasic intellect? What kind of happiness are you enduring? Is it sattvic happiness? Is it rajasic happiness? Is it tamasic happiness? Even down to what kind of food we eat has been categorized as sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic. So that you can live your life and try to aim for all sattvic experiences. So before we talk about renunciation, the three different qualities, I thought I'll just read you to give you an idea about food. Everyone can identify with food. Yeah, what is sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic food? So give it just to give you a better understanding. So it says, and it's uh, for anyone who wants to know, it's chapter eight, uh, 17, verse 9. It says, foods bitter, sour, salty, very hot, pungent, dry, burning, it produces pain, grief, are relished by the rajasic. Sorry, I should have started with sattvic. It's doing in different order here. So this is, okay, tamasic, let's start with tamasic. Food that is stale, tasteless, putrid, rotten, impure, is dear to the tamasic person. So stale food, cooked more than three hours earlier, it's saying. But you see, you got to remember, when this was written, there was no refrigerators, yeah? So disregard that, yeah? Three hours stale, even the hot weather, food is made, it's, it goes off. So you have to take that into consideration. Tasteless, insipid, flat, foul, obnoxious smell. Food cooked with previous day or earlier. Polluted food, left over in one's plate after the meal. Impure, unclean, food that's been prepared without washing and cleaning. This is tamasic food. And they're saying tamasic people like this kind of food. What's rajasic food? If you like that kind of food, that means you're, when it comes to food, you're a tamasic person. As we said, rajasic food, bitter, katu, sour, amla, salty, very hot, pungent, like chilies for the tongue, offensive to the nose, dry, like parched grains, dry fruits, stinging the tongue, causing eyes and nose to water. Food that produces negative effect, hangover, sense of remorse following consumption. Shouldn't have eaten that. Unwholesome food causing distemper, disease to the body. That's rajasic food. What's sattvic food? Foods which increase long, longevity, purity, strength, health, joy, cheer, which are savory and substantial and agreeable. 
They're dear to the sattvic person. So this helps you, it's saying. Vitality, long life, keeping the mind unagitated, pure, intellect sharp, gives you energy, vigor, helps with the body's fitness, gives mind satisfaction, contentment, fulfillment, appetizing, sustains the body, sattvic food. Just to give you some idea of what, uh, sorry, the sun's shining right in my face here. I can't see the screen. So in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 17, 18, it highlights everything we do in life in those three categories. So now it's talking about renunciation. What is renunciation based on those three categories? Ravi. Domestic renunciation is relinquishment of obligatory action out of delusion. A human being has to fulfill his obligation to his family, his business, community, country, etc. Relinquishing duties and responsibilities out of ignorance, indifference is considered domestic. Also, disregarding things out of ignorance of their value because one is not aware of its pleasure content, would fall under domestic renunciation. So it's giving up your duties, domestic renunciation. Okay, I'm renounced. You've given up your duties out of ignorance. Not performing your duties because you're confused, delusional. You have a duty to your family, your work, but you don't perform them because you have a wrong understanding of renunciation. You think giving up action is renunciation. You're saying that's not, that's tamasic. If you're thinking that way, that's tamasic. You don't perform them, disregard things of value due to your ignorance. You don't see any value in studying this subject. What's it gonna teach me? Nothing, I just renounce. That's tamasic understanding of renunciation. It isn't renunciation, it's saying. So what is rajasic renunciation? Rajastic renunciation is relinquishment of action because of fear or physical or mental pain that it may cause. In that case, the person claiming to have renounced action would willingly take to it if the strain or pain part of it is removed. Such pseudo relinquishment is considered rajastic. So rajastic renunciation. It's saying is renunciation is you giving up action because it's physically hard to do. It's mentally painful. That isn't renunciation. Because if you took that pain or pain out of it, or if you took that hardship out of it, then you would happily do it. But you say, no, I'll renounce. I'm not going to do that because you're more worried about the pain it's going to cause you. That's not true renunciation. What kind of example can we give? What kind of example can we give? Rishi? What kind of example 
of rajasic renunciation? I don't know. I'm asking you guys. What kind of action you wouldn't perform, Rishi? I guess keeping yourself um, fit because of like, you know, going through the process of it, the kind of pain or, you know, soreness of it, you're less likely to do, even though you know the outcome is something you want and a goal you're going for. Absolutely. It's painful, so I renounced exercise. But you take the pain out of it, instant fitness, you'll do it. So it's the same as like waking up in the morning at 46. Yeah. The pain of being sleepy or being tired. Yeah. Just like renunci- giving up action because it's physically or mentally painful. But you'll take it up if the pain part was removed. This is not true renunciation. You can't say, I've grown from this. I'm not going to do this action. I've renounced it because it's too difficult, it's too painful. I'll, I'll let everyone give their own examples to their own selves. Who might give examples on this sort of topic? Am I? <laughs> Not that developed yet. Next, sattvic, what's sattvic renunciation? Ironically, true renunciation does not mean giving up action. Sattvic renunciation acclaimed as of the highest order, speaks of performance of action. A human has to perform his obligatory functions in life. He cannot give up his duty and responsibility. He must do what he ought to do without being involved in his action or entertaining a profit motive in it. Just carry out work objectively with no desire driving action and no craving for fruit. Thus, sattvic renunciations mean, means acting without the mind's attachment to action or anxiety for the fruit thereof. So we've already covered this. Only sattvic renunciation is true renunciation. It does not mean giving up. It is performing your obligatory duties objectively. You have a duty, you have a role to play in life, at home, at work. So do these actions objectively without being attached to the action or the result, without desire or craving for the fruit of action. How much profit will I make? How will this cake come out? Acting without the mind's attachment to the result. When you act with this attitude, it allows a human to perform the right action, perfect action, leading to a reduction of desires, taking you closer to that point at the top of that triangle, which is our goal. So true renunciation is that capacity in you to set the right value for all that the world offers, to consider them passing, insignificant, no real value to your spiritual goal while you are in possession of it, while you are enjoying it. That's true renunciation. Any questions? 
everyone's gobsmacked. These are really high thoughts, you know, and uh, we have to spend time thinking about them, applying them in our life, thinking about it in our life, each individual life. And you won't get it straight away, it takes time. These are truths of life. This is what we're saying now, you're a spiritual person. Truths of life. Any clarifications? Yeah, Drew. Uh, so is tamasic and rajasic um, essentially saying you give up the action, whereas sattvic is saying you recognize your duty and you don't let your mind get agitated by action, but you still do action, whereas yeah. the other two give up action due to a different reason. Yeah, rajasic is you would do the action if the pain, take, pain bit was taken out. Tamasic is he just gives up action. You can't be bothered either way. So no action. Sloth, lazy, not bothered. That's tamasic. And he's saying, I'm not acting, I'm renouncing action. Rajasic knows he has to act, but he's worried. It might be painful. One hour on that treadmill, I won't get up for two days. Forget it, I won't do it. Rajasic action. And Sattvic knows his obligation. He knows this is my goal. Yeah. These are my vasanas. I have to reduce them. I'm a financial officer. I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. Banker, businessman, whatever you are. This is my obligation. This is my duty, which I have created. Let me do it to the best of my ability. I'm a housewife, house husband, whatever it is. Let me do this to the best of my ability. Fulfill my goal in life, whatever role I've got to play. Is that okay, Drew? That makes sense. Be the best son to your mother. That's your role. That's my sister, by the way. <laughs> Any other clarifications? Nilam, make sense? Shilavan? Okay. Right, any other general questions? Have I either you're all clear on the subject or I have really confused things? Uh, it's not confusing. It's just uh, a lot to take in and Absolutely. reflect on it. It's it's reflection of what we do on our daily basis with this knowledge now. Yeah. You apply it in bits and pieces. You apply it in drips and drabs as you understand it. You apply it. You try to apply it. It takes time. It, it's like a drip effect. You know, you know when you have a chemistry, you have a test tube and... You have to do an experiment. You have to keep putting a drop in until it changes color. We've all done it in our chemistry class. I forget the, what it's called, but 
you, and, and then it suddenly changes color. It's like that. You have to keep taking in knowledge, applying a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then suddenly it clicks, everything clicks. It takes time. We can't say, yeah, we can't say we, are, we agree or we understand everything because at this point, we are, we've learned, we know what we're reading, mm -hmm. but also going, taking a step back and then taking that understanding and applying it into our visions as well absolutely. and um, progressing from there. That's right. Absolutely. You have to uh, think about it, contemplate, reflect on it, and you'll have a better understanding of it. This topic is not the easiest topic, by the way. Just to, uh, you know, if you can get a small percentage of it, you've done a big job. It's, it's quite a hard topic to grasp. So now you know what you have to do to put the effort in to reflect on it. Only then you can apply it. Yeah. Amar. So you haven't got your mic on, Amar. And the droplet. Yes. Yeah, that's the term. Dermish, you had something to say? He didn't hear what he said. He, what, it was um, just something. Can you explain? Talking about in here, yeah, okay, it's called titrations. Titration, yeah, the term where the color changes is called titration okay. in chemistry. Did you hear that, Donald? Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Any other clarifications? Satishi, okay, I would say. I, I would say, like, you know, the depth of the pool is, uh, is very, it's six foot. You know that, but if you, you can't just jump in it. If you, if you don't swim, you have to first learn to swim and then jump in. It's hard to jump to it. <laughs> so once you're prepared, you can jump into it. Once you've taken some swimming lessons. Yeah. Similarly, once you get a bit of knowledge, reflect, contemplate, then you can practice it. Yeah. Great. Hi, Hi Anika Bhai, I've got a question. Yeah, Jyotibin. Hi, how are you? Good, good, please. Um, you, in the beginning, you said uh, that if you are a spiritual person, then that's, and then a religious person is someone that follows religion. Is it that black and white? Is there no in-between? No, it's not that you it's you don't do the other. You see, you've got to remember. First of all, everyone follows a certain religion, and then because of that, you have come to this stage. Yeah, that's correct. But what I mean is that um, sometimes it's mentioned that when if you're a religious person or following a religion, um, not everyone is fundamental in it to how we're made it to believe like you have to do this and you have to do that you know th that that's fundamentalism in everyone's religion but 
if you take the small aspects mm -hmm. of um, religion, like the unity it brings and the faith and a and a path to follow that brings with the spirituality. Yeah. If, if you know what I mean. Sure. So the point I was trying to make is that it still restricts you, still put, you're still in a box, but you want to free yourself from that box. I'm not saying anything negative about religions. Sure, yeah. sure. I followed a, a religion. Everyone has followed a religion. That's, you need to rise above it. That's the point I'm trying to make. You need to go beyond that. Okay. That's the point I'm making. I'm not saying anything negative about religions. No, no, I, I wasn't seeing it in a negative context context i was more asking the question like um where you're saying that seeing beyond it can you not work alongside it if you can it's fine but what what, what the point i was trying to make is that most religions have certain restrictions sure sure that's, that's true. the point so to break those restrictions you need to go beyond religion you need to get further knowledge about the world about beings that's the point. You may still be be part of that religion. Nothing wrong with that. But you should respect the religion you you're, 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 you have been following because because of that stepping stone you have reached this stage. You see, so you have respect for whatever religion you're following because that religion has allowed you get to this stage. Sure. But thank you. No, you're welcome. But we need to move beyond that. This is the point we're trying to make. I, I see. I get it. Thank you all so much. Religion, all religions are man-made. We need to go beyond that. Yeah. Thank Just you. Me. Yeah, you're welcome. Just me. Can't hear you. Just me. We were talking about not going in the past and the future yeah. and focusing on the present. So whenever you said, whenever we focus on something or a task, by saying, in many ways, we'll have we'll have assessed everything, and therefore just go straight to the task. Yes, the intellect has to assess the situation. So every time we do something, we just get on with it because we can assume that our intellect has assessed it, rather than us. Because sometimes when we made a mistake, you go to the past to see what mistake you made because you don't want to make that mistake again. So but you're. But you you make that decision before you go into the action. It's not it's not like you sit down with a notebook and you write write everything down. It's just a quick understanding. The intellect has to just say, okay, this is my role. I have to do this right now. I have to make dinner. Okay, you must have made it a hundred times that meal a meal before. You would just go into it and do it. Don't worry about the past and the future. Whatever acts you're acting at work, your your intellect first assesses. This is my this is what I need to do. This is how I need to do it. Then you just plunged in, into that action without worrying about the results, without worrying about how you did it last week. But that's part of your assessment. If you made a mistake last week, then your intellect will decide that you don't make that same mistake this time. You're going to do it properly this time. You've already made that decision. There's trust in your intellect. It's the mind that fluctuates. So you want to stop that, however you do it. So the past action is gone. The future is not here yet. So all you have is the present to put that right action in. And that will result into the future. Yeah, it's Aruna here. 
Yes, I was going to say that um, actually it's the application, you know, that it's this you can understand, but it is applying it in your day to day life. So when you come across situations, it's about training. It's almost like you're saying that you have to train your mind so that the intellect takes over in most situations rather than being led by the mind. Yeah. And I think that can be the difficult uh, situation. And um, I think I agree with um, that. It, we, we have come a long way in terms of understanding, mm -hmm. but it's the application that one can stumble with from time to time. And why is it that you stumble? Can anyone explain? You're thinking of the result. Your, your energy is on the result. Besides yeah. that. You develop your intellect. More. Develop your intellect. Your intellect wasn't available to you at that time. But I think when you're interacting with people, you don't have the time in, to think about that. Uh, it, it's afterwards that when you're reflecting, you think about it. So uh, it, what I feel like you have to develop your mind to say in every instance, you yeah. are going to let the intellect be you, you know, the, the, the thing that will guide you rather than your mind and your emotions. It should be a natural thing. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've developed a certain understanding, a certain level of intellect, then it's a natural thing. The mind surrenders to it. Yeah. Okay, this is my role. How are we going to do it? Okay, this is how we're going to do it. I've got a meeting three ever four other people. You understand how each person's nature is when you go in the meeting, before you go into the meeting. You understand what you're going to say, how you're going to say it. You've done your homework. And the intellect's there, ready to help you do that. Stops the mind from going off on a tangent. Thank you. So it's just purely developing it. The more you develop, the more it's going to be available to you. And this is the whole practice. Because if you can do that in your daily life, then you can do it for your spiritual path. Any other questions? Uh, coming to Joshna Ben's uh, question, that if you make a mistake, uh, every mistake we make takes you to perfecting whatever you're going to do next. Not necessarily. But it's, it's a lesson that you won't make it again. So Not necessarily. No? Not necessarily. You can make the same mistake five times and not learn from it. Are you able to learn from your mistakes? First of all, you're, you're talking about a particular person and his capacity. A person might make mistakes all his life and not learn from it. Because they could be ignorant. They may not want to learn. People, someone might say, do it this way. They say, no, I'm doing it fine. Doesn't matter, I'll carry on making mistakes. That doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that if you make a mistake, you'll learn from it. It's perfect if you, if you can. But you have to train yourself to learn from that mistake. Yeah. You with me? That's once again, the intellect comes in. Yeah. yeah. So I was just correcting your statement that everyone learns. It's not true. Richard Burton was married six times. Three times to the same woman. So he obviously he didn't learn from his mistakes. 
So yes, the intellect will help you, hopefully, to learn from your mistakes. I'm a, so I can't, I, I can't hear, hear you when... Okay, is that better? Yeah, much better. I said Richard Good was a pattern for punishment. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> yeah, is that okay, Shilavan? For yourself, maybe it's different, but I'm saying general, you can't make a general statement like that. Yeah, you can't make a general statement. To you, you may be learning from your mistakes, which is admirable, and that means that your intellect's there, developed to a reasonable standard, but doesn't mean everyone learns from their mistakes. You may make, carry on making mistakes the whole life. A thief knows he's wrong, he's making a mistake, but he may make a career out of it. We hope that we can learn from our mistakes. Then we're perfect, perfecting ourselves all the time. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, so I was just going to say, it, it's also, if you're developed enough and your ego doesn't get in the way, you'll understand that you've made the mistake. It's taking ownership. Yeah. It's like one of the paragraphs where it says, you know, do what you ought to do and Love that it. will see you through, simply. And, you know, you may make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes in life. We're not perfect. It's part of learning. But are we learning? This is the difference. Okay, any last question before we uh, sign off? Great. Thank you for joining us. Been a lovely class. It's good. I like it when everyone asks questions. It makes me think as well. Yeah, start using my intellect a little bit. <laughs> Thank well, you. Have a nice uh, rest of the day.